Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. To help ourselves during, help support ourselves, I don't know if we helped ourselves, but you'll, you'll decide that by the time I finish the story. To help support ourselves during our full-time studies at Princeton Seminary, my husband and I each had different jobs that we would do in the three years that we made Princeton our home. And those were, you know, various interesting jobs. They were also very different between us. Um, my favorite one was being um, a hostess in a fancy French restaurant in Princeton. I don't know if it's still there, but I thought that was super fun. His favorite was working on a farm. And um, as I said, that explains a lot about the differences between us and the things that we like to do. Back then, Princeton still had a few farms near town. And one of them made a practice of hiring a new seminary student every few years. This was such a great accompaniment to studying for a life in ministry that in the last few years, Princeton Theological Seminary has launched a certificate program that is called Farminary. And I wish it would have been there when we were there. I wouldn't have done it, but Tom might have. And it's a combination of farm and seminary. And it has a director, and it has curriculum, and it has a website, and you get a certificate at the end, in addition to your MDiv. And it's where students can explore that integration between theological education and agriculture. But 30 years ago, there wasn't a program like that. There was just a farmer, a barn, a herd of steer, cornfields, a tractor, and a denim-clad seminarian with no actual farm experience. And as with any job, certain chores on that farm were more pleasant than other chores. For instance, planting corn, great. Making bulls into steer, not so fun for Tom, or obviously the steer. What Tom remembers most fondly are the reliable rhythms of the harvest, that you planted the corn in the spring, that it was fertilized by summer manure, that the corn was harvested in the fall, and that the cattle fed, the cattle fed off the corn in the winter. And all of that led inevitably to, you guessed it, more manure, more fertilizer, big cycle, and so on. So the first time Tom prepared to fertilize the fields, he shoveled all that manure onto a truck, one of those trucks with a conveyor belt. It must have taken a long time. And he hitched up a tractor, which he'd never driven before, and he drove about 10 miles an hour down the road a few miles to the cornfields to fertilize them. It was a really slow pace on a regular road. If you've never been to Princeton, it's a pretty fast-paced place. Like, people have places to go, you know what I mean? And he was going slow. Um, so he wasn't surprised to hear all this honking behind him. But then he noticed that the very nice cars passing him all had brown splats on their windshields, and they were greeting him with just one finger. 
It turns out that he had accidentally flipped the switch for the truck's conveyor belt before driving it, which meant the manure was literally flying up and off the truck and onto the really nice cars. From the earliest times, the Earth's harvest has been received with gladness and celebration, though hopefully not quite as much mess. Observance of the feasts of the harvest and the feast of ingathering were commanded in the Old Testament book of Exodus, and they were celebrated with the offering of the first loaves made from the new grain offered on the altar. The keeping of these feasts was not a dreary duty which was done to follow the law of Moses, although it did do that, but it was a celebration, a festive time linked with a robust gratitude in all the ways that God provides. In Deuteronomy 26, another Old Testament book, where much of the law of Moses related to the festival is recorded, the Lord's people are given very specific instructions. When they come into the land, when they settle there, they are to take the first fruits of the harvest, a tithe, put them in a basket, and go to the place the Lord will choose as a dwelling for the Lord's name. Then they are instructed to approach, quote, whatever priest was in office at the time, with their offering. This was not, as you can tell by the description, an offering to a particular priest or because of a particular priest. Neither was it an offering to a building because that didn't exist yet. This was an offering to God. It was a thank offering. When the priest took the basket and set it down before the altar of the Lord, the person bringing the offering was to say these words, A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became great and mighty and populous. And then the person was to go on to list all the hardships overcome, the challenges they faced, and the constant faithfulness of God. Then it was commanded, you shall celebrate with all the bounty the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. And the celebration included the sacred portion given to the Levitical priests, the resident aliens, the orphans, and the widows. In the Bible, the harvest is always connected with gratitude to God and sharing with one's neighbors, especially the most vulnerable. Later in Israel's history, King David built a house for the Lord with the hard work and the offerings of the people and God's grace. And many of the Psalms reflect the pilgrimage songs that they, were, that they sung as the worshipers approached Jerusalem to make their offering. Though God was with them in all places, the temple at Jerusalem had become the special place dedicated to worship. And that's where we hear God's voice speaking through the Psalm 30, 132. This will always be my home. This is what I want, and I'm here for good. I'll shower blessings on the pilgrims who come here and give supper to those who arrive hungry. I'll dress my priest in salvation clothes. The holy people will sing their hearts out. I love that part. Gratitude and celebration are at the heart of the life of faith, and they shape the way we live in this world. And the church is still a place where pilgrims are blessed and people are fed and the holy people sing their hearts out. This is our spiritual home. And today I invite you to commit or recommit 
your time, talent, treasure, prayers, and influence. As far as I know, Fairmount has not held specifically a Harvest Home Festival in the recent past. Other than the Fresh Fork food truck in our parking lot on Fridays, we're not much of a farming community just right here around the church. But I hope today can be a start as we bring in our pledges, our food supplies for the pantry, and our songs of thanksgiving. In early societies, the Harvest Home was that festive celebration of families and towns at the end of the harvest, particularly in England and Scotland and Ireland and Northern Europe. The Harvest Home also described a song to celebrate the occasion. In a spiritual sense, the Harvest Home, too, is the celebration of the final ingathering of all God's beloved. We need more opportunities to celebrate together and to play together, to laugh and to eat and to gather and to give thanks. So I hope you can stay with us today after the service for all of that. The Apostle Paul, writing from a prison cell to his beloved friends in Philippi in our scripture today, he speaks of yet another kind of harvest, the harvest of righteousness. His words are full of this warm intimacy and enthusiastic love for his siblings in faith in the Philippian churches. And Paul has three main points to get across to them. They are the same sentiments we want to share with you today. The first is gratitude. Paul wants to extend his gratitude for their financial support. They have made it possible for him to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and provide life-sustaining hospitality for churches in their homes. And for this faithfulness, he calls them partners in the gospel. I also have deep gratitude to share for your financial support among the gratitude for all the other things you bring. In the two years I have been here, the total number and amount of pledges has decreased due to death, attrition, and personal circumstances of members. But the percentage of pledges fulfilled and unpledged giving has been overwhelmingly positive, even in pandemic, even with an interim pastor. And I take that as a sign of your strength and your resilience, and your commitment to this house of God. In addition, there have been extra gifts for special projects, all the things you see happening around the church today as we take care of this old building so we can continue to use it as an asset for ministry and mission. And on top of all that, the regular giving to the operating fund, the special projects, the investment funds, begun by those who have gone before us, have borne much fruit We've told you how this year Serve Council and Session took extra income out of the endowment to make $120,000 in special gifts to Americans Making Immigrants Safe, to Northeast Ohio Coalition for the Homeless, to the Cleveland Heights University Heights School Foundation, to the Greater Cleveland Food Bank, and $50,000 to longtime partner Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry for Breaking New Ground, an innovative rental model which includes purchase and renovation of up to 20 homes in the St. Clair Superior neighborhood. Families exiting homelessness will be eligible for them with affordable rents and connections to support services. Between that initial donation and matching funds from the congregation, Fairmount will eventually fund the cost of one home. 
for all the things, the operating fund you give with your pledges and extra gifts year after year after year, for the special gifts for the building, for projects we have going on now, including this lighting situation that has to be addressed, for the mission projects that we put before you and you respond with faithfulness and gratitude. For all of that, I say with all sincerity, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. Secondly, Paul's convinced that the one who started a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. When I was a child in my family home, my mom had put on a mirror a poster from one of the Bible bookstores back in the day, and this poster had this verse from Philippians on it and a picture of a kitty hanging by her paws on a bar. And the poster said, be patient, God isn't finished with you yet. I never forgot that poster, and I never forget this scripture. Like the... Um, under construction signs all around the church these days, the best work is yet to come because God is not finished with any of us yet. Paul knew through his own hardships, including imprisonment and persecution, that God wasn't finished with him. And that's because the Holy Spirit of God is no one-time visitor, but a permanent guest. And no matter what our age, if the Spirit of God is at work in us bearing fruit, we are gradually growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ as individuals, as a community of faith. Perseverance in the habits of worship and prayer and generosity and service are the foundation for continued growth. We just keep on keeping on. Reinhold Niebuhr once said, Nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved by love. And no virtuous act is quite as virtuous from the standpoint of our friend or foe, as it is from our standpoint. Therefore, we must be saved by the final form of love, which is forgiveness. God is not done with us yet. Ultimately, Paul's most fervent prayer for his people that he loves so much is that their love would over overflow, not just be enough, that their love would overflow into a harvest of righteousness. His prayer is that their love might even begin to heal their divisions. His prayer is that there would be a purifying power in unconditional love. So Paul asked God for more love that produces more knowledge, that produces a clear sense of what is truly important and what matters. And that is divine love that ultimately purifies us. It is love practiced in community. And as we practice that kind of overflowing love and pray to the Lord of the harvest, we are mindful that not everybody's table is overflowing with abundance. Drought caused by climate change and other factors devastates crops all over the world. Migrant laborers labor in our fields and sometimes lack basic medical care. 
Harvest time can be a vulnerable time for those who make their living off the crops. Just this week, I spoke to a Palestinian Christian living in Jerusalem and was sad to hear about recent violence during the olive harvest there. As observed by international organizations, that Palestinian villages are suffering destruction of farming equipment as well as the uprooting and burning of olive trees. So my prayer on this Gratitude Sunday is that we take seriously the full humanity and the basic rights of all God's children everywhere across the world, whatever their nationality or religion may happen to be. And my prayer is that such love, born out of true discernment and knowledge, will help us determine what is best, not just for ourselves, but for our fellow human beings and for our world. My prayer, as I echo Paul's prayer, is that with all the knowledge and discernment, we can spurn the vitriol of selfishness and fear and hate and let our love overflow for one another, for our neighbors, and that through us, God willing, love would be the sign of God's kingdom as it makes itself known here on earth. These, these are the things, my friends, that produce a harvest of righteousness to the glory and praise of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.